Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top 10. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What's up, Turp fans? Fred, Ryan, and Ahmed back for another episode of Shell and Tell Podcast. It's Wednesday, May 11th. It's been a while since we've been on the mics. Well, kind of, sort. I mean, it really hasn't. We were there for the spring game for the uh, the tailgate event that happened, but you'll just have to take our word for it. <laughs> hey, we promised you a live show. We didn't promise you you guys were going to be able to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great event, man. Uh, ben Page put on a great event at Old Line Tailgate. We had a lot of fun with it. Uh, unfortunately, we just have pictures and silent video to prove that we were there. <laughs> Yeah, some yep. electrical issues took out the uh, memory card, and uh, you will have to just uh, believe. And maybe next time you'll come to the uh, live show if you want to hear it. <laughs> right. So it's a great show for everybody there. Uh, we took a trip around campus quite figuratively when we were there. We're going to do that virtually today for you. There's a lot of good going on around the university right now. Absolutely. We'll try to hit the highlights of the show that never was and <laughs> catch you up on the spring game itself. Yep, and then lastly, we're going to take you around the latest moves and buzz surrounding Maryland basketball as head coach Kevin Willard and company are leaving no stone unturned. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right, fellas, let's start uh, on campus over at Capital One Field, but let's not start with the football team. Let's talk about probably the hottest team on campus right now, and that's the Maryland men's lacrosse team who absolutely dominated this season, going undefeated and winning the Big Ten Championship for yet another year, second year in a row. Yeah, absolutely. They're sweeping the regular season and the NCAA or the Big Big Ten tournament. I don't want to predict the future with the NCAAs, but let's hope it goes right this <laughs> Swami time. Swami Ryan. <laughs> Swami Ryan. I, I don't even know if I could make much money on it at this point with as, <laughs> as dominant as their season has been. Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, seriously, uh, it feels like one one week after another, uh, where it's just been kind of uh, complete domination. Obviously, they were able to, the last four out of their five wins have come against uh, Johns Hopkins and Rutgers. Um, the Hopkins game, the second time around, was a little bit closer than it was the first time. But, I mean, it seems like uh, this Maryland team, uh, even whatever questions they came with uh, going into the season, they've been able to answer, and then some this season. It's been, uh, feels like another level, and it's uh, Maryland and then everyone else going into this tournament. Yeah, I mean, Fred, you were you were at that first Hopkins game, man. What tell them about that dominant performance? Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, it was a beautiful night uh, down there, at, you know, at John Hopkins Field. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Had a good time with uh, super fan John Googs down there, invited me to go. Uh, crowd was great. It was probably a 50-50 split between, you know, Terp fans and Hopkins fans there. Uh, so the turnout was great. Uh, but again, it's nice it just to have a, that local rivalry. It yeah, really helps out. Yeah, I wish I would. That would for my first experience. I kind of wish it would have been a little bit better of a game because I mean, by like the middle of the second quarter, you lost interest because the Terps were just blowing them out so bad. Uh, and I think midway through the third quarter, they had pulled all their starters at that point, which seems to be kind of a trend with this team because they've just again, they're not winning these games by one or two goals. I mean, they're dominating their components right now. It's 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 insane I mean, to beat John yeah. Hopkins in that kind of way. They have never lost like that ever in their we history about the live show that, that we they didn't even need the goalie because the goalie had 19 saves and they won by more than 19 points <laughs> so they could have had an empty net the whole day right 
Yeah, I mean, it's like we said, you know, it's been uh, it's been pretty impressive this year. You know, I, I, you know, we mentioned it during the live show. I mean, going into the season, I remember bringing it up with someone, you know, just from an outside perspective. You know, looking uh, looking with Snowskis, you know, that's a big piece for him. And you know, how do you kind of pre- replace that production? And you know, they've they've kind of been able to do that, like I said, uh, and then some. Um, so uh, it's been uh, it's been a, it's been a fun season, and obviously the cross, you know, it's been gradually uh, just taking taking national attention as well. And it feels like you know they're they're kind of firing on all cylinders. Right right now so um you know they go into the NCAA tournament with the uh, top overall seed now yeah and you mentioned national attention man they got seven all-americans on the squad six guys were just drafted into the PLL league uh yeah all six of them I think went in the top 22 picks I don't know how many draft picks there actually are in that draft but it seems like pretty good if you got six players drafted and they're in the top 22 that's pretty damn good (laughs) Uh, K- Kentucky basketball style in the NBA draft. So yeah, I mean it was definitely impressive. Now Maryland holds the record for alumni drafted in the PLL, uh, surpassing seventy selections from Syracuse. So um, it's been uh, it definitely definitely impressive, and I think it's more of a testament to the talent on this roster. Yeah, they set the the single season record for that same thing of players drafted taking over Notre Dame with their six that were drafted this year. Uh, Notre Dame had had four last year selected, um, so we just uh, went ahead and just crushed that record for them and hopefully we can keep it going the first game the nca tournament is this sunday myself and fred hope to be down there as long as the weather holds it's like a 30 percent chance of thunderstorms i'm just not going out there and say, sitting all those metal bleachers and lightning but as long <laughs> as the weather holds we'll be down there um excited to see it i'm sure it will be a blowout fashion as they're playing the winner of manhattan and vermont didn't we already watch them play manhattan was it the first game we went to this year no it might have no Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. It was one one of the New York teams we had we had gone down there to see. Uh, so Sunday at twelve, if you can get down to the stadium, do it. If not, they're on ESPNU, so you can still check it out. Yeah, the one thing that this team's got to prove is they got to prove that they can win the big game. They got to win that championship. You know, that's the one. If you could question anything about Coach John Tillman's tenure, is that he hasn't been able to close the door enough in these championship games. He can get them there, right? But I think he's missed the opportunity five times. This is probably one of his best teams. Last year was a very, very good team and probably had one of the greatest players of all time on that squad. Uh, but again, to go 14-0 and and beat the teams the way that they're beating them, it'd be a disappointment, I think, if this team doesn't win it, uh, win a national championship this year. Yeah, the, the question is, when do they see Virginia again? Is it, <laughs> is it in the Final Four or is it in the championship game? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they're licking their wounds, too, because we did give them quite the battle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> speak, speaking of lick, licking their wounds, it was not a, a good weekend for Rutgers. You mentioned them earlier, right? Is the, uh, swifting over to the, uh, the women's side of things. The women ended up playing Rutgers in lacrosse too, for the big 10 championship and beating them. Uh, not a very good weekend for Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't help when you call yourself the state lacrosse the state of uh, lacrosse afterwards it's uh you know kind of setting yourself up for embarrassment there yeah <laughs> yeah it's definitely some uh twitter wars that they did not back up on the field um from rutgers of maryland it's kind of good to see just like you know i don't want that to be our rival but i mean it's gonna be forced upon us we're both in the big 10 it's the closest school we got to us it's it's fun to see it in other sports being that rivalry. Obviously, even on the football side, they're both kind of going in the right direction right now um, with Greg Schiano up there taking Rutgers back a little bit. They technically made a bowl game last year, even though we told them they shouldn't have. Fucking COVID gifted them some bullshit-ass bowl. <laughs> so uh, they're, they're, they're in similar places. So it's kind of looking like the future is this Maryland-Rutgers rivalry. Hopefully we can um, step up in the ranks and be with other guys too. Yeah, we talked about the women's team. Like I said, they cap off a 
17 and one season season given head coach Kathy Reese her 300th career win in the Big Ten title man the winningest coach in women's lacrosse history yeah yeah I mean this team is completely uh, uh, rolling all cylinders just like the men's team and obviously uh, both of them were able to take care of Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament title game too uh, obviously clinched that um, and obviously the, the the women's team they fall behind uh, UNC for that top overall seed. So they're going to get that second seed on a bye now. But uh, this is the 32nd uh, consecutive NCAA tournament appearance for, for Maryland. So it's uh, definitely, definitely impressive for, for this, uh, for this roster. Kathy Reese, Brenda Freeze. We have got some stacked ladies coaches around here that just stack championships, stack wins. Yeah. It's a, a lot of fun on that side of the side of the ball. And these programs kind of prove the point that I said at the last podcast, it doesn't exist. Uh, when I was looking at stats, right, since the, the Terps, since Maryland has entered the Big Ten, they actually sit number three in the conference in overall championships as a university. Uh, I know we all watch football. We all watch basketball. And we're like, how is that even possible? It's because of programs like this, the dominance that the men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse team have had, uh, bringing home title after title year after year. Yeah, that was behind Ohio State and Michigan, who have far more programs than we have. They have you know the the hockey, women's hockey, all kinds of things that we don't even compete in. So they have a a higher advantage of winning a few of those tournaments that we don't even have co- competition in yet. Well, sticking with successful programs, man, let's take a another tour around campus, move on to the next field, and that's the baseball field over at Bob Turtle Smith Stadium, man, the one that's uh, actually facing a lot of controversy right now on Twitter. If you watch on Twitter, there's a lot of people say that, that that stadium needs some upgrades, needs to be expanded and whatnot, but nonetheless... It's it's housed one of the best teams in the country, one of the best teams in Maryland baseball history, uh, as these guys are just, again, mauling down the competition one after one. And it was really cool, you know, the day before the spring game, actually, back on April 29th, uh, Rand Ramsey was the, became the first Terp to throw a perfect game since 1959, yeah. uh, became the first no-hitter since uh, 2014 when Jake Stennett uh, accomplished the feat. Uh, obviously, it was the uh, 20th uh, perfect game in a nine-inning span. Um, so uh, I think that in addition to Maryland, just kind of rolling right now, I think that's a massive accomplishment for this program. We actually checked out the baseball game after the spring game. Unfortunately, it was uh, the only loss of the series, one of their very few losses of the year. So maybe me and Fred will stay out of that baseball stadium, give them a little more room for those very limited seats. Uh, but it was really cool what the school did is they, um, they made it free to get in. And what yeah. that did was because they have a very small stadium, like they said, uh, it was full constantly, but not of the same people. People would come, they'd watch two or three innings, and then they'd leave and go do some of the other Maryland Day events. And I thought that was really forward-thinking from a school that's not always so forward-thinking in events like that, um, that to just basically have an open gateway uh, to fans. And, and I was pretty impressed in, in the showing and in the performance of the team. Yeah, I mean, again, this team, 38-10 and 10 overall, 15th in the RPI, most regular season wins ever for the program, tie for thirst most wins in the country right now. This team that doesn't miss many balls, and when they connect, they hit a lot of dingers. I'm putting it to you like that. They've got over 90 home runs as a team right now, uh, pitching well. Again, just collectively as a unit, this entire squad, uh, one of the best that the University of Maryland's ever seen. I think it's a squad that can make a run. I think the only thing really holding them back right now is their strength of schedule. Their strength of schedule hasn't been the greatest, right? So the competition hasn't been the greatest. So they're not high up in the rankings, but I think these boys can compete with anybody. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see you right now, currently sitting uh, 17th nationally after uh, moving to 30, 38 and 10 overall after uh, defeating 
Sorry to shit on Rutgers, but we're going to shit on Rutgers one more time. <laughs> Maryland, Maryland baseball. Rough weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just been sorry, New Jersey. You so second fiddle, man. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, Maryland, like we said, you know, baseball is rolling right now, and it feels like you know if they keep sacking the wind, you kind of wonder if that's going to possibly um, you know, help move the needle uh, in, in in regards to uh, the strength of the schedule so far. Yeah, I mean, they're number two in wins, but number 17 in rankings. So clearly it's all about who you're playing. They're not giving any any love. But as long as you get in, you got a chance. So, you know, give us the invite. Hopefully we can finally make it to the uh, to Omaha and uh, <laughs> and see, see if this team can actually make a run against the big boys and prove that, you know, we beat who you put in front of us. That's all our job is. Right. Absolutely. All right, let's take a trip down the road, hop in at Xfinity Center. And before we talk men's, man, we got to talk the Lady Hoops, man. You mentioned her already, Brenda Freeze. Um, you know, obviously, we, we all have the, the utmost respect for Brenda Freeze and what she's done for this university, what she's done for this program, right? Uh, one of the things that's been uh, a little worrisome with this program over recent years is we've seen some mass exodus year after year. And it's not just been, you know, talent that's sitting on the bench that's not getting playing time. And once playing time, we're talking cream of the crop players. Uh, Julian Reese's sister, Angel Reese, she's gone, right? She's gone on to LSU, it sounds like. Uh, so it's it's top-level talent, but it didn't take long for her to bounce back and start reloading. Yeah, the huge names that they lost this year was really starting to get people in up in arms about it. People were complaining about Brenda as though this was something new, that like, what do we have to do something about Brenda? No, Brenda will be all right. You know, right. Brenda didn't piss anybody off that she wasn't okay with pissing off and wasn't okay with replacing. I will very much miss Angel Reese. I thought she was so much fun to watch. Yeah. Like just watching her eye rolls during the basketball game were as much fun as watching <laughs> her finger rolls. So I mean, I, I will absolutely miss the girl. But you know, it's what they do. They they reload. They got Ivy League Player of the Year Abby Myers from Princeton, who should very seamlessly replace our graduate transfer Katie Benson from Harvard. You know, it's kind of a, been a staple of Brenda's that she wants a very intellectual like you know top end ball distributor and she keeps plucking out of the ivy league for this and it's worked out pretty well for her yeah and i think what was the most impressive about the whole um i guess the, the offseason rebuild you know obviously uh, uh she lost angel reese she lost mimi collins to nt state they lost uh, ashley Wusu went to virginia tech uh but the abby myers addition in addition to the uh, high school signees the four stars gia cook and brianna mcdaniel all of those happened the weekend after uh, Angel Reese and all like the, after the mass exodus out of the program. So I thought that was very impressive that Mer- that Reese or excuse me, uh, Brenda Freeze was able to just kind of go into the portal and, and figure out some of these high school prospects that, um, you know, they backed out because of the coaching changeover at Texas A&M and Maryland was able to kind of swoop in right there a couple days after, like you said, Ryan, you know, Abby Myers is able to come in, Eliza Pinzon, the uh, guard from uh, uh, USF. Yeah. So, tell us a little uh, bit about her. I've heard good things. Yeah, she's Italian, and Italy is the best country in the world. So that's uh, there's, 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 <laughs> that's there's all you need plus, to know. <laughs> there's there's a plus one for her, but uh, you know, like we said, you know, a lot of a lot of guards that have come in, and a lot of people have noted that you know uh, that the front court rotation might be. The, the question mark right now, yeah, but Eliza, size. she's able to come in and she's kind of able to help out a little bit with the perimeter shooting, um, but a good facilitator. She finished number 22 in the country last year in assists, had an assist to turnover ratio of 2.26. Um, it had 10 assists four times on the season. So um, I think that's kind of what Maryland needs right now. Again, if you're getting these possibly four guard lineups, then you know you need someone like Pinzon to kind of be that facilitator. And then if need be, help stretch the floor a little bit. Yeah, I mean, she was an all-AAC player. We talked about um, 
Abby Myers. She was ended up being an AP All-American honorable mention. 18.2 points a game, 5.9 rebounds for for uh, Princeton. These these aren't just players. They're adding some weight. You talked about the front court. The latest addition should help out with that. We have uh, added a Towson transfer, a little bit different uh, level here. But Allie Kubek, she averaged 14.6 points and 6.2 rebounds the past season. She helped the Tigers 24-8 and record and earned all uh, CAA honors. Again, we're getting the top players from whatever division they're playing in. Um, and so she really really put on a show she imp- improved last season with a uh, 50.1% from the field that's pretty and expanded damn good her game yeah and expanded her game to include a three pointer now instead of the dominant performance down low um she actually shot 33% on 97 three point attempts which was a 62 shot increase from her freshman season so that certainly is headed in the right direction yeah, I mean, this gives the Terps a top 10 recruiting class. Once again, uh, never a doubt, Brendan and staff are going to find a way to overcome things. Uh, sad to see some of the names move on. And you mentioned, you know, Katie Benzen. Shout out to her for playing. She actually made the uh, Washington Mystics yeah. squad. She's doing really well. I think she went three for four from three last night. Uh, she's doing big things already, leaving her mark at the professional level. Uh, so, again, Brenda is going to figure out a way to get things done year in and year out. I'm not worried about that program. Uh, sucks to lose the names, but, you know. They will they will find a way to win. Um, so let's talk about men's basketball because talk about change. Been a lot of things going on with the men's basketball squad too. Uh, obviously, we had uh, special guests, which again you're gonna have to believe us. Julian Reese on hey, the I show. I got video. You can't hear nothing, but we got video. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you can read lips. I mean, it's yeah. a very good clip. Uh, we may have a very cool uh, video of him riding his scooter up from behind us. That was- <laughs> It's like uh, what nine nine fifty eight. He just I was like, oh my god, is he coming? And then sure enough, he right just on time. Zoomed, zoomed on yep, on. my but, man yeah. is a professional. We were getting nervous while we were trying to stretch and talk long. By we like, you looking around me mostly. Yeah. I was looking at my watch. Holy crap! And right on time, my man comes by six foot ten on top of a scooter. Made him seven foot six, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> rolling rolling past the table and uh, coming to sit down and talk with us appreciate it so much it was a very good show for all that showed up yeah i really wished it would have been a show a really good show for all of you but you know stuff happens electrical problems just decide to eat all the memories yeah. hey, he knows who cool. we are now it won't be the last time that we talk to him i'm sure we'll be able to arrange something again in the future uh but bringing him on the show i mean it was uh it was good because we got to talk to him a lot about why he decided to stay with Maryland, uh, if he's buying into the new Kevin Willard rebuild, uh, right? Because obviously the first step for Kevin Willard coming in was going to be the self-recruiting. And I think a lot of that obviously has gone much better than most of us kind of anticipated or expected, I'd say, really only losing Kudus Wahab uh, from any of the potential starting level players on this team. Yeah, I think that's really impressive. Obviously, you know, Marcus Stocker, he was another guy, but more of a, you know, reserve guy in the backcourt. But yeah, I mean, like you said, Kudus Wahab, you know, just losing him in that front court. Um, that's the the kind of the biggest question. And then obviously, you know, you look at the the point guard and shooting guard spot right now. And after you see Ayala go for the NBA draft and Fats Russell, obviously exhausting his eligibility. But, um, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, kudos to uh, head coach Kevin Willard coming in and pretty much stabilizing the roster. You know, we asked Julian Reese, you know, what, what was the conversation like? You know, obviously he had to go through it twice. One, 
when his sister was, you know, leaving and, you know, that, you know, Julian coming to Maryland, his sister being at Maryland, that definitely, you know, helped. That's for sure. Uh, but then you kind of asked him, you know, like, did you feel like, you know, Hakeem Hart, Dante Scott, did you feel like all these guys, Ian Martinez all had to come together and we're like, Hey, we're all in this together. Or did you feel like, you know, we all have to do what's best for ourselves. And he just said, you know, we, we kind of, you know, briefly looked at each other and said, you know, like, you know, we're it like, this is it. Like we got each yeah, other. Right. That, yeah, that, was you know, the, that was why. That was the impressive part was he was like, there was almost no conversation about it. It was yeah. what, when we found out who the coach was, we all kind of were, you know, excited about what he could bring and that we were going to make this another run. And that there was not much looking elsewhere, not many, you know, temptations. Of course, it's just what we're being told. Right. There may have been some temptations and some guys that had to have be convinced, but According to him, as as of now, like those guys were balled in and ready to get to work with the new coach and see what they could do. Yeah, yeah, and it was cool. It was cool, also, just kind of asking him about, you know, like Grant Meyer, for example. You know, he came in with that reputation of a big man coach, so like just seeing, like, you know, how does it work? And then obviously, Cal Tarp, you know, he's staying on as the strength staff, the strength coach, excuse me. So just seeing, you know, like how does that. Um, you know, transition from, you know, the, the Turgeon era to the Willard era. Um, and essentially, you know, a lot, a lot of what you heard from Julian Reese was there's a lot of one-on-one work with Bill Meyer, getting those, uh, getting just refining the, the the offensive and defensive side of the ball uh, just to, to work with him on that. Um, but then there's the tempo in practice, you know, it was a lot more quicker, a lot more organized. Uh, and then Kyle Tarp, obviously, you know, for Julian Reese, a guy like him who now he has the full season under his belt and now he has the new coaching staff and he kind of is able to kind of settle in, look at some film and work with tarp continuation with tarp which is really big uh just just having that familiarity so um it it felt like you know a lot of the answers weren't you know just like bs it felt like you know it was kind of kind of genuine and it felt like you know a lot of things were more organized and uh and content right yeah one of the more interesting uh conversations i thought was about um you know, kyle tarp's trying to put weight on him to build the body and i made the asked the question about dante scott because we've seen two very different versions of dante scott we saw the heavier we're going to defend the five position Dante Scott and the lighter Dante Scott that was trying to play above the rim. So I just, in my opinion, the lighter one didn't work out so great. <laughs> so I didn't know if maybe he was going to try to go the other direction. But according to uh, Julian, he is still cutting weight, trying to get even higher above the rim. Uh, so we are going to see a lighter, quicker, and hopefully more productive Dante Scott. Big fan of his, really hoping he can put it all together. You know, maybe this guy had to learn the new body last year, and it'll be all fine for the next season. Yeah, I expect a big jump in year two for Julian. I mean, this is a guy that just, when you talk to him, you get the sense that he's about being the best Julian and about being the best basketball player that he can be. It doesn't seem like he gets caught up in distractions and off-the-court things. He's pretty focused, and I think he he sees the bigger picture of, of what Julian could be at the next level, right? And and he's going to use all these resources, Willard and, and all his coaching staff that he has there at Maryland now to to be the best player that he can be, and I think we'll expect a big year out of him year two. Yeah, I think it's, I don't think it's a stretch to say, you know, he, when you kind of look at, you know, the makeup of the roster next year, obviously you have, you know, Jameer Young coming in and, you know, they're, they're very likely will be other portal editions. There will be other portal editions. They have scholarships to fill. They got to find them somewhere. <laughs> but I mean, you have a guy like Jameer Young who just kind of with the, with the reputation that he comes in, not only just being a local guy, the math guy, but just, you know, ability to score, you know, he's going to play a big focal role. But, you know, when you look at a guy like Julian Reese, when he came in being, uh, you know, another Baltimore guy that's kind of shining and then being that, piece in the front court 
definitely feels like he's going to be that guy that take that big leap and going into year two where he's able to be a cornerstone in that front court rotation, uh, be kind of the the leader, the the standard in that front court. So uh, I think Willard will have some options, and you know we'll probably find at least one really talented piece alongside Reese. But it just feels like this is primarily going to be Reese's uh, team right now. Well, you kind of mentioned the name, but we can't glaze over it, man. Jameer Young, right? He was the big commitment over the last couple of weeks. Uh, there's well, sort of commitment thing, right? He's he's got the NBA plan, and then he's got the toast. <laughs> 2022 right. commitment ever. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you've got it. You're, you're talking in a sense that it sounds like he might be coming here, or that he's leaning that way. Or is that the vibe that you're getting? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, like, uh, he's expected to play in Maryland uh, and nice. he didn't get into the, uh, the, the well, he wasn't one of the combine invites. Um, so that just more solidifies his ability Coming to return. Back. But yeah, I mean, when Maryland announced the signing and I read, I think I've read one of the sentences and I immediately thought that they were announcing that he withdrew. And I was like, yeah, this makes sense. Perfect timing. Uh, but unfortunately they're going to have to wait a little bit longer, a couple more weeks. Uh, but yeah, like I said, you know, he's expected to come back. Uh, and a lot of guys you're not, you know, we're noticing in the portal. A lot of guys are, you know, entering the portal, opening the door to returning to the original school along with keeping their name in the NBA draft. And, you know, it's, you know, just leaving all the options on the table, um, just getting all the feedback you can. And then, you know, kind of going from there. So it's definitely, definitely weird, but uh, I think it'll be. It's nice to know that he's already committed, he's signed, so you kind of already have a very, very strong idea of what that key piece is going to be. And obviously, as the primary point guard, and when you look at just how vital the guards and how much responsibility, how much freedom that they have in Willard's offense, having a guy like Jameer Young uh, definitely gives you a piece to to build off of. So. Yeah. Average 20 points a game, 46.8% from the floor, 5.9 rebounds. As long as he withdraws by that June 1st deadline, that's a hell of a piece to get when we obviously expect that to be the case. Um, but that wasn't the only person we added. We also had the commitment of Noah Bachelor. I'm sure many people are aware, but that will uh, be very helpful to get the recruiting back in the hometown together, playing at IMG Academy, 6'6", guard forward. But Bachelor is from Maryland and made a big deal about how playing from his for his home state is is a large part of why he wanted to play here. And it's always good to have those guys with the ties to school, the more intrinsic value in this day of NIL. And we can just play for one school every year for the next four years. Right. Uh, it's good to have a guy that it's going to take a little bit more to kick him out of town. Tell the fans what kind of player they're getting at a bachelor. I mean, is this a Jake Lehman type of player? Because, I mean, you look at statistics, you look at his size and what the little bit of highlights that I've seen, that's kind of the comparison I'm drawing. I think that's fair uh, i think that i probably be i think it, yeah, other others notice it and i think you know kind of when you think about it a little bit more it feels like it kind of fits just you know profile style of play um Badger is a guy he's going to come in and obviously play the three a lot uh and help the biggest asset is his ability to stretch the floor as a three-point shooter and obviously when you look at uh, Maryland three-point shooting last year finished third worst in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Bachelor fits that mold as well. He can slash and he can play at the rim as well, but I see him more so sticking around in the perimeter to, to kind of help out that way. Um, I don't know that I view him as a guy that could be a day one guy. Like He's going to come into the rotation and, you know, uh, or excuse me, join the program and immediately come into the rotation. I think that maybe he says for another year or so, maybe he plays, you know, a like, smaller role, uh, as he gets more acclimated, he go into the Big Ten play, things like that. But I think, you know, when 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 Kevin Willard was first hired and he talked about, you know, building team culture and yeah, we're gonna go after the portal, and that's what I told the guys, but we're also gonna go in the high school ranks to help build that team culture. Um, but I think Bachelor, you know, you guys mentioned it, he's a Maryland guy. He was a guy that 
really since he backed off that Memphis uh, Memphis pledge, you know, it was Maryland and another school and it was once Michigan and then people were saying Creighton and then people were saying LSU and Florida. and But, you know, Maryland was always there. Maryland was the official that he scheduled first. Maryland was the place. It just felt like Maryland was always the school that he wanted to be. So um, I think that that's a big piece when you talk about, you know, just building that that, that chemistry, that, that makeup. Um, Bachelor definitely fits that mold. So I, I I think what I'm hearing from your comparisons of the th- uh, three point shooter and being kind of a piece early, I'm hearing more of like a Mike Jones who at the, at the beginning of his career was just a three point specialist. When we needed some buckets, we put him out for a couple of minutes and then kind of developed into more of the player. So we'll have to see. Hopefully, we can get a combination of those two things. Maybe he can be Mike Jones's freshman year and Jake Lehman his <laughs> junior year. That'd yeah. be pretty great. Okay, if the end goal is Jake Lehman in year three, cool, whatever. Unless he ends up being that type of prospect, I'm happy with it. Uh, but you mentioned three point shooting because you're absolutely right. That that was a problem last year, and that was something that you know the the good old day Terps, you know the ones that the Gary Williams days, like the early Turgeon days. That's what Maryland thrived on was sh- passing the ball around the perimeter and good three point shooting. I know they've been in some talks and there's some rumors about uh, Georgetown guard Don Carey. That's kind of one of his specialties as a three point shooter. Uh, how, how are you feeling about him? Does it, would he be a good piece for this team? And do you feel like we actually have a good chance of getting him yeah i mean he would be a very you know very good complimentary especially when you look at jameer young um i think they they do a really good job complimenting each other um and you know young is a standout from the free throw line as well carry fits that mold exactly and when you looked at maryland's guards last year maryland's guards did not shoot well from the line like you said so i'm just adding both of those guys and getting them in, into the fold uh, i think would be good Excuse me. Uh, Carrie, I think will be it. Uh, you know, they Maryland seems like this school that is, you know, most mentioned with him. It sounds like uh, Illinois, a couple others have been showing interest as well. But uh, it seems like, you know, they're kind of waiting on decision mode right now. But it definitely feels like he's the the main main guy in the backcourt uh, to, to keep in mind next to Young. Is there anything more consistent than Maryland football losing ACLs and Maryland basketball not shooting free throws? <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Any other names that are out there in the transfer portal that might be able to make an instant impact that we're uh, hearing some rumblings about? Uh, yeah, Friday they're going to be hosting uh, Washington State forward uh, F.A. Abodiki. Uh, he's a Nigerian center. Um, and essentially, the big connection with Maryland is that uh, Tony Skin is his assistant. And um, it feels like every single time I've read about a basketball recruit or basketball related, you know, Skin's name is coming up because he's just um, he's doing a really good job with a lot of guys. But it uh, sounds like they have a very good connection. And, and obviously, both of them being Nigerian definitely does not hurt at all. Right. Uh, just giving, obviously, the, 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 the foundation to build off of right there so maryland have a shot with him and then uh so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what shakes out from there it's exciting man again this uh it's interesting i think year one obviously you got to give willard a little bit of a pass coming in and and, and trying to kind of put his mark on the program but i'm i'm pretty impressed uh with how fast things are moving and how quickly he's kind of changing things there and establishing uh you know his his mark on the program yeah, we need a couple more bodies, but it's it's good to see the the additions, and I, th- I think we'll be this year you'll at least be able to see his style, and he'll be able to brand that to more people the next year and show this is what we're trying to do. You can help us. Why? Right. right now, it's kind of a guess. Like I really can't think that he will have the same offense at Maryland where he can get those Maryland level players that he did at the low level schools he's been coaching at. Yeah, um, and I do think it's interesting that um, you know just the NIL, you know, kind of. 
I was actually just talking to a coach about it in football today. You know, he he was mentioning, you know, it's a lot of uncertainty right now with recruiting and NIL and whatnot. When you talk about college basketball, I mean, there's been nothing more blatant than the obvious pay for plays. Obviously, we mentioned Miami and, you know, they're far from the only school. They're just being jackasses about the whole thing, frankly. Um, so, I mean, I think just the fact that Willard had to come in and stabilize and then he's going up against, you know, Patrick Ewing, who's doing yeah. anything and everything to, to save his ass going into this what could be his last year. Um, so I think just kind of balancing all of that, uh, I think is a lot, a lot harder and uh, probably a lot harder than he expected uh, a couple months ago compared to what it is now. Uh, but I think that uh, going in and getting Jameer Young, a guy like that, who definitely did not have any shortage of options, Kansas school mentioned with him early on, uh, I think is uh, definitely, definitely a good sign. So, well, um, I can tell well, you they, one piece that uh, is working to his favor that guy up at uh, Villanova, Jay Wright, not being around anymore, I think is going to work into his favor. Yeah, that's a that's a huge huge shakeup in college basketball landscape, and I think that was a guy I respected the hell out of. I yeah. enjoyed watching watching him at Villanova, and definitely definitely was able to come down to the DMB and pull some guys. Obviously, Cam Whitmore, who's the latest elite name, to now go to Villanova. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know that that definitely leaves a big void in uh, DMV recruiting. So uh, it'll be interesting. You know, obviously a lot of guys, Tevin Sadler, uh, David Cox, uh, Tony Skin, like we mentioned. You know, all these guys. Uh, they have these local ties, so it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, how Maryland's able to uh, to balance that. All right, well, let's leave Xfinity Center, go up that big ass hill. Let's go back into Capital <laughs> One, Capital One Field. Let's guys, talk some I may football. make Fred park at Xfinity Center and walk up that hill to every football game. <laughs> he that does. might be why that big ass hill comment dropped yeah. in there. <laughs> we might have had a friend of ours trip and break her freaking wrist while going up that hill, but uh, nonetheless. Uh, let's go up the Capital One field. Let's talk some football, man. Before we talk about the spring game, though, we got to talk about some of now, I guess you want to call them former Terps at this point, right, who got their uh, their big day in the sun as the NFL draft has come and gone. Uh, Nick Cross, who many of us talked about probably being around three selection, goes in the third round, ends up going to the Colts. Yeah, yeah. joins up with former Terrapin, uh, Terrapin himself, Frank Reich. Uh, good to see a landing spot for him. I was really hopeful with the uh, the Ravens coming for Nick Cross or Chig this yeah. year. Uh, didn't really work out for either one of them. Kind of knew Nick Cross was off the board the second we got a safety in the first round. Uh, so that one didn't burn as much. But Chig was painful all the way to the end. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was kind of surprising. I think Cross, obviously, you mentioned he gets to reunite with Frank Reich. Obviously, uh, uh, Yannick Ngakwe is right. uh, is with the Indianapolis Colts as well. So there's another connection there. Um, but I think the the biggest uh, takeaway is Cross. You know, when you look at the secondary Maryland secondary these last couple of years and getting more per, uh, Terps in the pros, um, Cross becomes the third defensive back for Maryland uh, drafted in the last four years, uh, highest drafted Terps since uh, one Arnold of those Savage. three just got paid paid. Like yeah, real he paid, <laughs> he did. JC Jackson going yes, out sir. to uh, the uh, the Chargers, uh, but yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, Chigo Conquo, I think that's a really good piece. Uh, <sighs> it'll be kind of in- kind of be interesting to see, you know, whether it's uh, Brian Tannehill and then obviously getting a chance to connect with Malik Willis down the line. Uh, but then you know he's not the only Terp in uh, in Nashville now. He's got Sam O, Chance Campbell, so definitely really cool to see down there. Yeah, my emotions were high sitting inside of that stadium for rounds four through sevens. Man, I we, the Ravens had a ton of picks in round four, so I was sitting there on my phone the entire time. I knew they were probably going to draft one tight end. 
Chig's still sitting there. The Ravens draft a tight end. It's not Chig. I lose my shit for about five minutes. I looked at Fred. I'm like, hey, they're talking about him as a halfback. Maybe they still get Chig. Maybe they get a second tight end. (laughs) And Uh, they do. They did. They They got another (laughs) tight end again before Chig was taken, and it wasn't Chig. Uh, At that point, Uh, I was like, I'm done. I'm turning my phone off. He's great as the Ravens had that draft. I was so disappointed they didn't get Chig. Because I knew at that point. the stadium tainted your opinion at that moment. It did. It did. (laughs) But I knew at that point, I'm like, Christ, the Ravens are going to get him. He's going to go to one of my least favorite teams. He's going to go to the Steelers. He's going to go to the Patriots. Oh, I'm going to hate life, but he ended up going to the Titans. I can live with that. And it's a great city. I mean, it's a great organization. You only hear good things. I'm not a big Mike Vrabel guy, uh, but I think it, it's a good system for him up there. Uh, so, you know, shout out to Chig, man. He's, he was a great guy, great guest on the show. Uh, and, and, and kudos to everybody who was drafted and those that weren't drafted to signed on as undrafted free agents, man. There's a lot of Terps making noise in the NFL. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Jared Bernhardt, Jared Bernhardt, excuse me, going down to Atlanta. I thought that was a really yeah. intriguing fit. You know, I think that when he watched him uh, in his spur day, you know, he played pretty much every single position. So I think it'll be really interesting to see. And they got was, holes at every position. So yeah, whatever, they wherever do. they want him to play. He's the new Cordell Patterson down there. <laughs> right. The one that I wasn't 100% sure if he was going to get an opportunity and ended up getting an opportunity with a very good team. Tayon Fleet Davis goes to the Chiefs. Uh, obviously he's going to have to work his way onto the roster through special teams. Uh, but you know, this is a guy that, you know, he's defeated the odds. He's got super talent. Uh, he's got some of the stickiest hands out of the backfield that I've ever seen. So who knows? I mean, this guy could end up being a better pro than he was as a college player in that type of system could work out for him. Yeah, I've been very high on him at times, so I, I'll be rooting for him and really hoping it works out. Um, some of these running backs for the Terps just have kind of stuck around, and you, you just forget they're still in the league. In year three or four, they end up doing something. I'm um, thinking in the Jets right uh, right now, the Maryland running back who finally got some run last year. Ty Johnson. Um, yeah. Ty Johnson. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Absolutely. Hopefully it works out for him. I'm really interested in Chig in Tennessee. I personally feel – the faster they move on from Ryan Tannehill to Malik Willis, the better chance Chig will have to play because I think it'll just be a different, faster type of offense, more versatile, trying to you know run out of the backfield, have the run pass options, things like that, instead of a more traditional, uh, you know, just stop Tannehill from getting hit for a couple minutes. And I, I think that would help him a lot. I'm not comparing the whole Malik Malik Willis and Lamar Jackson thing, but it does have a similar vibe of when the Ravens took Lamar Jackson and transitioning offenses from Flacco to, to Jackson. They're going to have to do that same type of a transition in Tennessee. But to your point, I think that type of an offense fits Chig and his skill set better. And I think uh, when that day comes, yeah, that's when you'll really see him flourish. Uh, but Absolutely. either way, man, kudos to Chig and everybody who's getting their opportunity at the NFL level. Uh, let's talk spring game and news broke right before the spring game that uh, Maryland head coach Mike Loxley had agreed to a new contract extension, keeping him in College Park till at least 2026. Yeah, this was something that was in the works for a long, long time. I remember telling people that, hey, I'm pretty sure Loxie is about to get a contract extension when the uh, basketball search was happening. And people he were like, us, cool. He's not lying. Yeah, people were like, cool, who's the new, new basketball coach? I was like, damn, I figured someone would care about this. But I did. <laughs> you guys we did. did. You guys you guys did. You guys did. But it's uh, it's, a, it's an interesting contract. And I remember at the time, even when it was announced, I was kind of intrigued by, you know, what the breakout would be. But um, he'll be here till at least 2026. Uh, contract kicks at uh, max two year, two additional years if he wins seven games in 2022 and 2023. Uh, it's a $4 million base with a $100,000 raise after that. And then 
uh, every hundred thousand dollar incentive for every win past seven. So um, it's a little little tricky. Uh, not not too much intel in there for additional staff budget, for example, which is something that Loxley has been very vocal about since he joined the program. Uh, but it just makes sense, and he his current deal expired on December thirty first, twenty twenty three. So there's no head coach in college football that is working on a one-year deal. So this yeah. had to get done. Well, it's a pretty cool contract in the way it's written. It's obviously bowl game driven. You know, it's get yep. to a bowl game and you uh, receive your one-year extension. Um, seven games. I'm, I'm curious if that is including the bowl game. I'm assuming it is total wins that year, not just regular season wins, because uh, they would have obviously accomplished that this past year. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, listen, I think this is a good thing. I'm bought into the whole like Mike Loxley transition and the experience and everything that he's doing. Um, you know, it's 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 progressing at a good pace, in my opinion. And again, every year, if you get that extra win and you show progress, well, that's all you can ask from him. Yeah, I thought it was really intelligent for the automatic addition of years, because why would the school not want to keep him at that salary if right. he's succeeding? Um, and then it just kind of puts the puts the the onus on him to make his contract worth what he originally wanted i'm sure he wanted a nice long contract with lots of big money and he has the ability to make this a long contract with pretty big money um so it, it if he gets you know some nine win seasons in there a couple times he can really really start stacking the coin and, and producing for this program yeah, I think the big thing that kind of resonates with me is that, you know, you kind of heard Loxley, you know, when they got to the Rutgers game and, you know, it, it kind of felt like twofold. It was like one side, you know, it was obviously, you know, happiness and, and contention for, you know, getting to that bowl game, that six win that Mark, that Maryland fans and the program really hadn't gotten to for a long time. Uh, but then, you know, you, you, you asked, you know, are you happy with this essentially? And you, he would say, you know, I'm happy that we got here. I'm not happy that this is, you know, this is the the celebration. Like, we want this to be the standard. Like, moving right. forward, we want to get to a bowl game. We expect at least six wins. And I think what what sticks out about this contract and Loxie's words, and I know, you know, I'm always mindful that press conferences, you know, they're just words. At the end of the day, I feel very strongly that all those stuff are just forward articles and PR and whatnot. But it just felt like, you know, Loxie was very honest and transparent about the fact that, hey, you know, we we're we're gonna take it we got here now we're gonna make this the standard and it feels like that contract reflects exactly that and i think that's kind of the thing that makes me feel uh reassured and i do think that you know there have been definitely definitely some you know maybe some red flags along the way you know no but there's no program that's going to be perfect uh everything is going to be you know work in progress and especially for maryland uh when you look at what Loxley had to do when he joined this program and, you know, facilities. I mean, facil the Jones Hill house was not done. There were serious concerns about how yeah. long it would take to get it done. And then obviously, you know, before COVID hit and whatnot, but he's done a lot for this university, helping reshape the, the image of this program and everything. So I think that that's the, uh, the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah. And the NIL, you know, was completely unpredictable for us in the area that it's in. We would have thought that that would have a, a big impact, a positive impact for this program. But so far we haven't seen that. I mean, there are definitely NIL deals out there and a lot of the players were Kim Jarrett, obviously one of them, one of the big stall marks of this, of this program is working on his NILs. Uh, but it hasn't worked in the positive for the Terps as much as I hoped it would. No, I mean, and th what's also interesting is it hasn't seemed to bring any new players to the forefront. Right? right. It's 
people that were already advertising with Maryland maybe have spent a little bit more on those players. Uh, I guess Jimmy Seafood is probably the only one yeah. I can think of that I didn't see anything with beforehand. They obviously had the stuff with Rack. But everybody else, it's like it's all the same signs. It's all the same advertisers that you've had on the Maryland podcast, on the Maryland radio stations. They just maybe have slid a little bit towards the players in addition to paying for the radio time or whatever it may be. Um, so that's kind of the more interesting thing. It's it's a, an area where a lot of the big money is government contracts. A lot of the big money is tied up in these huge corporations and not, you know, Joe Schmo's car dealership in louisiana where they sell four million fords yeah. so like it's it's a lot or a chinese a super bowl company or apparently who knew chinese super Bowls had that kind of money they could change basketball landscape i don't know how many dumb americans there are paying 4.99 for super balls that we get they have enough money to change i used to pay 25 dude. cents in the gumball machine for them <laughs> like how are we funding these companies with this kind of dumb products I, i'll never know but if you guys got that crazy money you just want to donate to shell and tell we can we can step this up big big time i'm telling you that's right that's right <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about the spring game, man. What what did you guys see? What are you excited about? I'll I'll, I'll kind of kick things off a little bit. Um, one of the things that I was really wanting to see was what did this what was this running game going to look like, right? Because we talked last year. One of the I think one of the things that was missing most from this offense was the explosive running plays, like the, you know the big running plays. Um, I was high on freshman Roman Hemby coming in, and it was you know I was a little bit of a bias being a Middle River guy, and he's from Middle River and all that stuff, but. Just seeing the explosiveness when he did get his chance on the field, I wanted to see what he would look like. And he had a big game in this spring game. He looks really exciting. Him and McDonald both look like good running backs. Yeah, I think that was kind of the big thing as well that kind of stuck with me. I think kind of going into last season, you know, I was pretty vocal about, you know, Roman Hemby, you know, even when he was coming out of high school, you know, Maryland saw him as a, you know, big home run hitter right. in that room, essentially being able to break off those big runs. And then you didn't really get a chance to see that flash last fall uh, after, you know, Maryland's trying to balance out the rotation, get guys red shirts, things like that. But I feel like this spring was the spring game, at least was that first time that you really saw that, that explosiveness from Roman. Um, and then you obviously saw a little bit of Antoine Littleton, but um, I think that that was, you know, one one thing that stuck out with me. And then the other is Caleb Wheatland looks like a freaking dude. Yeah, that dude is well beyond his years as far as, you know, ability to play. That kid is the real deal. Yeah, I mean, he just looked super athletic for a middle linebacker. And there were a couple of plays where he just did such a good job sniffing out the play recognition um, and then just the, being able to fly to the ball, the pursuit like that. Uh, and he kind of came out of nowhere as a recruit. Like I'd never really heard him until all of a sudden he popped up on the board as a three star. And then we had him. And, but everybody was talking so highly of him, like he had just been flying under the radar. Yeah, it was actually pretty interesting. So Tyree Spinner is the Avalon head coach, and he coached Trayvon Diggs way back in the day. Um, but okay. he pretty much was the one that uh, uh, Wheatland went from uh, Westlake to uh, to Avalon uh, for for the twenty twenty one or twenty twenty season. Um, and Spinner was like, "Hey, you know this guy?" Or excuse me, twenty twenty one season. Uh, and Spinner was like, "Hey, this guy is the real deal. You know, take a look at him." And Maryland brought him in for a workout last June, and. They offered, believe it was two to three days later, he committed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much a guy. I mean, you know, he's exactly that. You know, he's a guy, Darrell and Chami, when you look back way back when, you know, he he committed as a two-star recruit. And he's, to a T, the exact kind of guys that Maryland needs to fill out their class with. Um, Absolutely. And he's a guy, the, the, the perfect kind of guy under the radar, local, uh, and he can play. And Maryland was able to take advantage of that because of 
proximity, local connections, things like that. So, yeah, you're 100% right. He really flew under the radar. It's a great find. Uh, former former inside linebacker coach Brawley Evans did a really good job yeah, with him. Yeah, man. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he's going to be a really big piece for this defense. That's really good to hear. The Stevens is going to need all the help they need as we get into the departures later yeah. <laughs> in this We'll show. get there. Let's talk positive the, right the, now, Ryan. Yeah. Well, let's talk real positive. The, the The spring game itself was everything you wanted to see from a spring game. Number one, the weather couldn't have been any better. That like, was let's great. just start there. Yeah. We got there that, that early that morning and, and set up for the show. The weather was great all the way through. The peop- fans showed up early. The, the whole campus was packed, not only with people for the Maryland football spring game, but just the maryland day in general yeah that there was just people crawling all over campus at every event they had there really shows what that campus can do when it's you know optimized uh like we already talked about the baseball experience earlier they did a really good job with that my wife and kids were down at uh the the farm apparently a new baby horse was born so they had to go down there and see the baby <laughs> horse they got some ducks from the mckeldon uh fountains uh one of turtles them lost their one of them or, lost sorry, its life sorry, in a turtle hours floating yeah <laughs> one of them's head was removed at a restaurant which kind of ruined our day because the kid did not understand why she wasn't allowed to rip the head off a turtle and then somehow its head comes off oh my god peter leave <laughs> us alone it was a foam it was a foam was a turtle foam floating that's why i called it a duck because it was basically a bath toy yeah. turtle. <laughs> um so yeah it, Everything was cool. They had like tie-dye things. It really showed what it could be. I can't wait to, 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 to just see how this grows because if the football team can start pulling more people to the actual game itself, they're going to have some problems with uh, with parking and all the things oh, going sure. on there. Like they're, they're growing this, this day like it really could to see more of the 10,000 people in the stadium instead of the probably four or five. Yeah, hey, what do you, what is that's about right. five thousand for yeah. the spring game this year. Um, I mean, I think this could easily, with a winning program, get to ten thousand people at that spring game and really see this take a whole other step. Um, but it, as far as the game itself, I was a little underwhelmed, but it may be for good reason. I mean, it depends started- on what you were looking for, though. I mean, if you're just looking at the scoreboard, cool. Yeah, it was a little bit underwhelming, but there's a lot of good, I think, to take away from it. There was, absolutely. But it started out with the uh, stars and scrubs, basically, where you had the starting offense in red and the starting defense in white. Um, And the first drive, like play two, uh, Chalen Famitao goes down with a leg injury, and it just took the wind out of the game. Because before that, it looked like everybody was going to have a fun time. Like Everybody was warming up hard. Everybody was talking trash. That was before the game even started. They were lining up at the kick return, and yeah. the, the guys were dancing. dancing in the field and the screen. It was, it was, they, were, they were there to put on a show. I think they had been coached up. They're like, guys, you know, you've seen all the social media we've put out. You sound like this is here to entertain those people and get butts in the seats for this fall, and they were doing a great job of it, but then – 40 seconds into the game, you see your boy go down with the injury and go, oh, yeah, like, we can still get hurt no matter how much entertainment we're doing. Yeah. It really seemed to change the whole game. Uh, Yeah. I I agree with that. I I definitely do agree with that. But, you know, there's still, to me, there were a couple of other good takeaways from this game. One of them that that I was keeping an eye on defensively, uh, obviously, we're very shorthanded at outside linebacker right now because of all the transfer outs. Uh, Incoming freshman, Jayshon Barham, that dude is a man. He is a man child. He was in the backfield a lot. This is a guy that's going to be forced into playing a lot of minutes this year. Uh, But in the action that he I saw out of him, Barham looked good, looked very good. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a really, I mean, we talked about Wheatland, and I think, you know, Jay Shaw Barham, you know, he's he's 
kind of been been the dude that, that everyone expected him to be. I think it's uh, so him and him and Wheatland. You know, I think feels like every opportunity when you talk about newcomers and standouts and whatnot, you know, th- those two were were undoubtedly the first two names brought up. But um, yeah, I mean, Jay Sean, you know, I think he, everyone, you know, when he was in high school, everyone asked, you know, is he inside? Is he outside? And I was like, he's both uh, because he right. really can be both. And I think he has just the play recognition, the pursuit as an inside linebacker and then his speed, uh, his able, ability to bend as a pass rusher, uh, as an outside backer, as the, you know, sp- third down specialist uh, off the edge. I think that he can, definitely make himself a, a invaluable piece on this defense. So uh, definitely should be a, a fun season with him. Yeah, he was just as impressive as Wheatland, but it's just not as surprising is why people don't talk yeah. about it as yeah. much as we've we've been we've been knowing and wanting this guy for so long. He's been the you know, the five star prospect that we're like, can yeah. we get the big fish at the little pond? And so it's just kind of been expected. And then once Damian Robinson transfers out, you're like, OK, boy, this is your team. Like, this is, this right. is your spot. Apparently, you're a starter now. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And then on the other side of the ball, offensively, you've got uh, Talia coming back, right? You know, after having basically set all the records passing wise at the university last year, uh, he's reloaded again at wide receiver. Obviously, he's got one, a very deep wide receiver core that was cut short last year due to some major injuries. Uh, but we got a big, and I mean physically and uh, figuratively, a big incoming transfer in Jacob Copeland out of Florida. Wanted to see how he would kind of fit into this offense and how he looked, and he is every bit exciting and every bit of what you would expect out of an SEC receiver. Yeah, I mean, he looks completely amazing. Uh, I mean, I thought that the spring game, you know, he did a really good job. Obviously, him and Talia um, pretty much had a great connection and whatnot. Um, And obviously, Copeland walked away uh, from that game, uh, drawing MVP honors. I believe it was five catches for 70 yards. Yeah. Uh, Team high, five catches, or tied for team high, five catches. But he did have the team high, 70 yards. Um, You know, I think, you know, just again, um, I mentioned it on the forward behind paywall but you know both of those scrimmages jacob copeland uh, had some big plays for for touchdowns um so i think just him him in that spring room uh with obviously some of the injuries and then you know some of the younger guys i think the big thing with him was just him and talia getting that rapport down getting the connection together um so i think he's going to be a massive piece um so i mean well you know Maryland fans are going to await the return of Dante Demas, but Jacob Copeland will definitely help mitigate a lot of concerns there. Well, I know one thing that uh, one of our fans and former player of the show, or player uh, with the Terps, Ellis McKenney, was watching during the spring game. Had to have been the offensive line, right? Uh, and the offensive line is returning all of their starters. They looked good. I didn't hear any ways of injuries coming over on the offensive line, so that's good that we, we escaped out of that game without any you know major catastrophes. Uh, but talk to us, Ryan, about the Ellis interview, man. Ellis took his time and he sat down with us for about 15, 20 minutes. Talk to us a lot about the offensive line and what to expect. Yeah, man, it's always great to have Ellis on our, our, our third time guest. I guess we only got, uh, two of them on tape, but I'm sure it's number three on tape will be coming anytime now. Uh, Ellis is just always involved in the program. He's with at every game I've ever gone to of any sport. You can find Ellis and Testudo no matter where you are. Um, so, and he's actually joined the, uh, board on the Terrapin Club, uh, which we found out there during the interview. Uh, so it, he'll, he'll continue to be around the campus. Um, the offensive line looked great. We we talked with him and got his takes on on what we can do with this senior led line and the improvements there. And I think we got a lot of insight from our next clip of Mr. Spencer Anderson. What is Coach Braswell kind of harped on or maybe emphasized to you guys uh, so far this spring? Uh, technique. 
I feel like uh, his last year was our first year under him, and he kind of taught us pro level uh, things. And you know, to him, I mean, it's kind of a uh, not a knock to him or anything, but I feel like you know we were too uh, we were getting stuff too fast, and you know, kind of trying to develop as we went on. But I feel like now we can really harp on the techniques, and I feel like our second year with his techniques, then we'll be okay. Basically, what I hear out of that is they were drinking out of a fire hose, essentially. That's and exactly now things are starting to calm down. The other thing I hear about from that is that he he didn't go to the PR class when he was supposed to because Coach hated that answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, did. he was not not happy with that. I remember that it was a little, little PR training and that answer, but um, but I'm yeah, surprise Ahmed didn't get the tap on the shoulder like, hey, we're not posting that. <laughs> Yeah, it's a shame that we don't have the interview clip from Ellis. Man, that was a fun. We we played a little bit of a segment, a little bit of a game with him. You know, coach speak versus real speak. Real talk. Uh, and he was he was very candid in his answers, very real, like Ellis always is. Uh, but yeah, listen, he's got high expectations for this offensive line as much as all of us do, because again, they're getting their entire unit back. There's some young, very good incoming freshmen too to add to this offensive line. So it's not just the starters; they've got some real depth on this unit. Yeah, he talked a lot about the the little techniques, and we kind of got to talk more about you know we've we've discussed even off the show many times, Alice and I, about why don't we just run off tackle? Why don't we use these massive men to move the pile? And kind of talked everybody through just like that the the Loxley style and why that's never going to be a thing, no matter what your your you know players are in front of it. That's not how this works. Um, it's high expectations, but just might not be what you're looking for out of a run game. The run game's going to be special. The run game's going to be quick hits, off the edge, fly, you know, sweeps, things like that. The run game's not going to be your traditional aspect, right? Yeah, I think that, that's a that's a, obviously a pretty key indication right there. And I feel like we've seen glimpses of that uh, over these first couple of years. And um, so I think it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, with that revamped room, and how they, how they kind of do that again, but uh, it'll be pretty clear that, you know, passing attack will, will kind of, be heavy and then you know use uh, the running back room to complement that that way well i was gonna say you know that was the like we talked a little bit about the running game in the, in the spring game and how i was interested in that right i think there there needs to be balance with this offense but it doesn't necessarily need to be a 50 50 balance right they yeah. just need to work the running game in a little bit more and actually loxley talks a little bit here about that as well i would hope that we're able to, to efficiently throw the ball but for us it's about balance and i talk about that all the time it's if people are going to do things to take away the, the ability to throw the ball, we've got to be able to run it efficiently, which is something we're, we're really making a point of emphasis this spring is to to get the complimentary run game going. And, and today was the first time I saw us do some really good things in the run game this early and having a veteran old line back uh, should really help us. But, you know, for Leah, it's about taking that next step, the veteran receivers that have been with them for a few years now. Um, you would you would imagine that we should be able to continue to improve our offensive efficiency. I'm excited about what this offense can do on both sides, throwing the ball and running the ball. You you already talked about Hemby. You talked yeah. about McDonald, but I mean we didn't even mention earlier Antoine Littleton and and what he looked like in that in that bowl game last year. Like he looked like the dude we wanted. The highlight film from high school seem to just translate right to that game so if we can get him as that you know thunder to the lightning yeah. in this offense it really can be a scary scary offense yeah but yeah. You, you can't turn the page on what this 
offense is going to be able to do through the air, though, right? That is what this offense is built. With Leah at the helm, that's what his specialty is, to be able to throw the ball. And again, the, the wide receiver core that we have and how deep they are and all the options that we have. And you add a guy like Jacob Copeland, which was kind of interesting to me, right? You, you, Maryland was already kind of stacked at wide receiver, especially if they're going to be getting Dante Demas back. A guy like Jacob Copeland, who probably had many options to go to many different colleges, ends up picking the Terps. And he talked a little bit about why that choice was made. What was it about Maryland kind of out of the transit portal that made it the spot for you? I know you uh, finalized that official visit pretty much uh, immediately after. The offense, basically. I seen that they throw the ball a lot. Yeah. Uh, that was a big thing, that playing receiver. I knew that was a thing that I had to take take consideration, uh, especially for lots. He recruited me out of high school. And, uh, when I hit the portal, he was like the first person to hit me. And he hit me people first and then hit me and the next day I was on a flight out here for official. And that that still looked right there. Like when I came down here it was good to see him. When I came on my fish the players who was around, they 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 welcomed me in with all love. I felt it was like a brother thing that would come together, so I felt like it was gonna be the best spot for Uh man, it was smooth, man. Coach Lops was like one of the best coaches that who recruited me out of all like type deal like when he was at them, he recruited me heavily. Uh, he stayed, I stayed in contact with him. We was just like, we connected in like on the, on the father-son thing type deal with Coach Locke. So he was like, ever since then, it was, like, it was never no bad blood. Even though I ended up going to Florida, he was going to, uh, he was still at Florida, Maryland, but I felt it was going to end up being some changes or whatever, like with that situation. So I ended up going to Florida or whatever, but that's how I played out there. I don't know. To me, that speaks volumes of Loxley and the relationships that he builds through recruiting, but it also speaks volumes as to what this program's turning into. Again, you're talking about a kid that comes from a very well-established program in Florida, right? They've got all the money in the world down there for the facilities, and they've got all the reason for kids to want to be down there. It's fucking Florida, right? For a kid (laughs) like that to come to Maryland uh, and and, and not just only be blown away with the the facilities and everything, but then again, the relationship that he had with Loxley... Uh, it just goes to show that, like I said, everything that he's doing is going good, in my opinion. I think everything that he's doing, the foundation that he's laying is good. Yeah, and I think it's kind of interesting, you know, when he talked about you know the, the relationship, things like that actually kind of uh, brought back the, the – there was a clip a while ago when, you know, Loxie was kind of asked about the transfer portal and whatnot and how he kind of approaches it. And he says, you know, you know when I, when you're recruiting a kid out of high school and he wants to commit, let's say he goes to Michigan or Alabama, he says, hey – you know, we're going to keep in touch with you. You know, we're going to keep building a relationship. And, you know, if your mind changes down the line, give us a call. We're still going to be interested in you. If you want, if you're not interested in us, let us know. But just kind of fostering that relationship and keeping the open line and knowing that, you know, even if in high school, you know, the first time around that, you know, he, he didn't end up coming to you. You know, there's a possibility. I'm not saying, you know, kids always going to transfer, things like that. But just knowing that, you know, the state of college football, the state of college athletics, excuse me, um, just knowing that kids can year in, year out. Uh, hit the portal, become available again, and just having that connection the first time around helps give, give you that leg up or helps you create the foundation for the second time around. So I think that that's another another takeaway from this as well. Yeah, there's no reason to burn bridges here. Like, and that's right. some, something that the the fans need to learn as well. Like, <laughs> stay off Twitter. Don't yeah. don't don't talk. Don't to these press guys. sand. <laughs> don't don't talk negative at these at these guys that decide to not stay home or whatever you think they should do number one it's their decision they're the ones that have to go to school they're the ones that, that that's life-changing your team just gets a little better if they stay like and these guys 
it's a whole different world. Like, yes, people used to transfer a little bit, but now when you automatically get to the one-time transfer, it's like everyone. No free one, agency. No one's going and sitting and waiting three years for their one-year start at the, at some program. They're all moving. So just you know, congratulate them, move on, hope someday we'll see you soon, you know, or just stay off it. Either way. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Lox has learned that lesson, obviously, and it's paying dividends with the transfers, with the guys that – you know, maybe, maybe just even look at the Jason Barham. I'm just making us up a story here, but let's say he was talking to five coaches. He committed to one, three of them acted like an ass that they didn't get picked. And Loxley was like, I really wish you the best. Maybe that all of a sudden ends up being the reason that he ends up coming, um, you know, to you instead that like, wow, this guy really cares about me, not just my talents, not just my, like, Right. Those things can happen right at the beginning. You don't even have to like press pause and wait. Well, another aspect of this passing game that we can't not talk about. I know <laughs> Chig is gone, right? But he, the next man up, right? The next man up is Corey Deitches, right? And this is a guy that I know in the offseason, Ahmed worked a lot with Gunnar Brewer and worked a lot with the wide receiver core just to, I guess, just kind of improve his game a little bit from a receiving standpoint. Uh, but I think this could add some versatility to his game. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously numbers were down in the wide receiver room this fall. So that kind of gave Deitches um, an opportunity to move into the room to one, obviously help provide some depth in the room. And then two, when you kind of look at just his skill set, what, what you know, he, he adds to this offense, um, you know, he came in, uh, joined the program as a wide receiver out of Potomac High School. And obviously just that length, that athleticism moved him to tight end. But, you know, he's cl- very clearly the receiving threat as that tight end. And, you know, I see him as an inline guy, you know, be able to split out. Uh, on occasion, but just being the, especially a red zone threat. Um, but I think just his ability this spring to, to, to kind of work with Brewer and obviously Brewer, you know, he's worked with, you know, guys like Randy Moss, Des Bryant, Justin Blackman, Nelson Aguilar, or uh, Alshon Jeffrey. So, I mean, he has the, 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 the experience to add to uh, Deitch's, uh skill set. Um, and then obviously, you know, he'll get a chance to build off that this spring. And then he get, moves back into the tight end room where, you know, he'll be the tight end one as the receiving threat, add that new dimension to the offense. And then you'll have CJ Dupree opposite of him. Uh, but then I think another aspect of, you know, just being able to play wide receiver is that you get, you get a guy like Weston Wolf, who second year guy didn't really get a chance to see a ton of him. But, you know, just getting him more reps as a tight end and, and being able to flourish. And you know, he made some plays in the spring game as yeah, well. He did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, had a little hurdle. Yeah. I was very, I was very impressed by Weston Wolf. It was kind of interesting, you know. Most players in the game kind of just kind of met my expectations. The tight end room itself was kind of polarizing here. Like CJ Dupree to me showed not anywhere near what I thought I was going to see out of him. I saw him, and, and I, honestly, a little bit. I think might have just been some effort plays that he maybe wasn't into the spring game as if it was. I a real think game. you have too high expectations for him as a receiving threat. He's more of the blocking first. Yeah. Okay, I mean, maybe I do. Maybe it's just that. Maybe that's just all it is. Like, Quotus Wahab, my expectations were too high for him. That's just ended up being what it was. So, it, well, I'll but, join you on that one. Yeah, well, all three <laughs> yeah. of us will. Uh, so for for him, I I was a little bit disappointed there. Not you know overly. I think he's still great. I think he's still one of the strongest players on the team. He's going to produce sure. well. Um, but on the opposite side of the team, on the you know supposedly scrubs offense, 
not only Weston Wolf with his performance, but also the fullback, uh, Joseph Burns, both really stood out as like impressive players. Again, I'm probably not going to get what I want because Ellis told me we're not going to sit down and road grade people, but maybe just maybe in a goal line situation, we can get this man child of Joseph Burns in front of a absolute man in Antoine Littleton and see some real beef move some piles every Play once in a jumbo. while. jumbo. Line offense. it up. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, well, Corey Deitches is going to be a big part of this offense this year. And Coach Locks talks a little bit about what he brings to the team. Yeah, you know, he's been one of those guys that uh, is kind of that uh, Swiss Army knife for us. You know, he came in and was a big receiver. Um, we, we kind of utilized him as a specialty piece in our system where we moved him to tight end to complement Chig. Um, he's back playing some receiver for us this spring because of some of the depth issues there. Uh, definitely – a matchup issue because people have to figure out whether they want to match up and play, treat him as a tight end or treat him as a receiver. And uh, he's really kind of flourished in that role, especially last year, the way he came on late in the season, you know, as far as his off the field endeavors, really talented, talented kid. And, you know, I, I know he's got a passion for music and rap and, you know, with our new facility here and having the ability to, to have the uh, music studio downstairs, he's one of those guys that, has taken advantage of some of these things and resources that we provided. And there's no doubt that, um, you know, he's been a great student athlete for us, has done really well academically. And so, you know, I have no issues with Corey in terms of what uh, he brings to the table as a football player, but is an even better person. I love it. I, I love what Corey brings to the team. And I think, uh, he could see him used a lot like Oklahoma used Mark Andrews. You know, Mark Andrews was slid out into the slot, slid out wide sometimes, to your point, lining him up as a wide receiver versus a tight end. That's the kind of versatility, and then it becomes matchup problems. So having him and then having Weston Wolf take that next step, which we've already saw like a little bit of it in the spring game, to your point there, uh, I think makes me feel a little bit better about the tight end room than I originally thought we'd be. You know, like I said, I think Dupree – We'll see him develop over time as a receiving threat, but I think primary focus for him is going to be as a blocking tight end. Yeah. And I think that's kind of just like his, his role, his fit. And I think kind of, I mean, he, even when he came in as a true freshman, he was already one of the strongest guys on the team. So I think, you know, he doesn't, he's not going to be just a receiving guy or blocking guy, excuse me, where he, that's exclusive with exclusively what he does. He's able to, you know, uh, split out uh, at, in times, uh, but that's going to be like his his bread and butter, you know, kind of being that second tight end. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. Obviously, you know, like you said, you know, Chig's a big loss, but I think they, they have some talent and some, uh, some confidence with those three guys. Also part of that clip, you know, they talked about the Jones Hill House part yeah. of it, like these little things you don't know about the players, the the uh, you know rap using the studio. Think about the barber shop they added. All yeah. this stuff that like you know it's cool when you see it, but you're like, how dumb is it? They got this like million dollar pizza <laughs> oven. Well, that million dollar pizza oven might have got you a recruit someday just right. because he was like, oh, I, Michigan State didn't have a pizza oven. Right. Like, just because you don't care about it doesn't mean some eighteen year old kid doesn't care about it. You know? And yeah, that's- absolutely. I just got an email today, actually. This will be news to Fred. I, our backstage pass for Jones Hill House. We got two dates to pick from. So we'll be going in the next month to go see Jones oh, Hill nice. House for ourselves. That's exciting. Uh, and I'm very, very excited to go see that. And, you know, maybe they'll cook me a pizza in that pizza oven. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't cook me one. So uh, save, save me a slice. But yeah, that place, that place is going to blow your mind, man. I, I think every single time I go in there, I'm just. 
Uh, it just looks so beautiful, honestly, just going through the facility and things like that. It's I'm just, sure. uh, it's my, it's, it's crazy. It's yeah. Crazy. It's one of those things, pictures and videos just can't do it justice until you're there. Yeah. So I'm excited for that for sure. One thing I'm not excited about, and we got to talk about it a little bit. Some of the departures that happened, uh, right around the spring game, some before some right after the spring game. Uh, a lot of this was the, uh, a mass exodus on the defensive side of the ball. Ahmed, oh, sadly, walk <laughs> us through some of these names. Is this a, uh, I mean, is this was this kind of expected? Were these guys just you know a, a part of not getting enough playing time and wanting playing time elsewhere? Tell us a little bit about these guys. Yeah, so like I know like um yeah like Daryl Jackson no doesn't surprise me. Demian Robinson yeah that that one surprised me to the max. Yeah, uh, but you know so when I saw like uh, Devin King, Levante Gator. Uh, when I saw their names enter, um, I think both of those guys are good. And I know King, he's going to find a pretty good landing spot, uh, maybe a little bit closer to home. But, you know, that wasn't overly surprising to me. And I know Kenny Bennett, uh, if anyone remembers back in the offseason, that was the one that I feel like people kept asking. And I was like, I'm not sure. They you know it's 50-50. And, you know, right. he, he was able to kind of do everything he can. And now he, you know, he had a veteran role in the in the defense. But, you know, he still had Jacory and Darheeb, uh, Deontay Banks. So, I mean, Kenny... I think he would have played, and I think he would have been able to to be a factor in the rotation. But uh, it sounds like he's he will head elsewhere. It looks like Missouri's going to be the landing spot with him. But none of those guys exactly surprised me. Liridon Majenovic, he was a guy that he enrolled in January, and he's now gone with the program. And I think he just there was a lot uh, from that was the tackle from France, right? Yeah, Netherlands. Yeah, Netherlands. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he he was one that was scouted by Paul Alexander, the uh, former uh, Bengals offensive line coach, uh, who worked. Uh, above Brian Braswell down, back in Cincinnati. So that was the whole connection there. Um, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think that there was a lot, lo- long road ahead for him and playing in Big Ten play. I mean, uh, you already had Max McCree on one side, Andre Roy on the other side on the second team offensive line. So yeah. what does that kind of look like? But I mean, um, it, uh, it's a little concerning. Yeah, I mean, some of these, you know, are just potential. You know, you look at the potential of of the offensive tackle here, Lurden. That was all that was. Devin King, we kind of had started hearing that he was doing pretty well on practice and that he could be somebody that would produce down the line. Uh, obviously, Chop, like, that one hurt right in the gills for everybody, yeah. but I think most people had licked their wounds by the spring game and kind of realized we had to move on. The thing that got me was Kenny Bennett leaving was, you know, we can maybe afford it. And then after the spring game, I literally looked at Fred and said, you know, with Kenny leaving, honestly, that was the best I've ever seen Levante Gator play. So at least he could yeah. take that spot. And 24 hours later, Levante Gator's in the transfer portal. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, man, what, what, what can we do? So I really think we're going to need at least two cornerbacks out of it before all starts. I mean, this robs, a, this robs a lot of our depth. I mean, that's definitely yeah. going to be a target area, I would assume, and, for the Terps. And. And then exactly that. And I posted uh, an article on, on Wednesday morning about a um, he's a Juco guy who's actually going to be eligible to to enroll this summer with the program. So it could be a potential reinforcement. But um, one thing I want to note is that, um, you know, when Maryland was looking at the portal guys around the Copeland time and right after that, uh, they brought on that uh, uh, the transfer from South Carolina, Dominic Hill who was a cornerback at the time. And, you know, a lot of people, when they looked at him, you know, Gator was expected back. Kenny Bennett was already back with the program. Devin King, you know, publicly, there wasn't a lot of buzz about him leaving. Um, but, but Maryland was looking at that. So I think just the fact that the staff was already kind of eyeballing that cornerback room means that inside the inside the facilities, those three guys, uh, and knowing that this room could be a potential position of need going into the 22 season, 
um, doesn't surprise a lot of people inside the program. But I do think that obviously, like you guys said, you know, they don't really have much depth behind those three cornerbacks yeah. right now. No. So they yeah, got to find corners, someone. But man, they got to play every snap. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, they're they're really really going to have to play. Um, so I think um, you know it's a it's a pretty pretty big concern. And obviously, you know, you look at the long term depth. Uh, Jacorian will go off to the NFL this year, and then uh, both Deontay and Sarheeb are NFL draft eligible now. Do they declare for the twenty twenty three draft? You know. To be determined, but Tarheeb's um, gone. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, he'd have to have an awfully bad season this year to not be able to enter the NFL draft, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's scary. Uh, you know, again, they're they're one injury away from being oh shit. You know what I mean? And yeah. knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't happen. And, but uh, and last year, what we were on like our sixth and seventh cornerback. So right. like, it's we already saw it last year that you need bodies yeah. in that position. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think uh, I think one guy that could if if just one sliver of hope is uh you know Glenn Miller is a guy that I heard a lot of good things about kind of going through spring ball and it looks like he's going to be I initially had him packed as a safety and but it looks like with Isaiah Hazel probably beating out Dante Trader along that back line I think Glenn Miller is going to be able to be a really big force as a nickel corner um, so I think that'll be kind of interesting he's done a really good job really heard it since he enrolled on campus that he was able to really just kind of put on size and you kind of saw flashes spurts here and there last season so I think he'll kind of have a bigger chance to shine this year. So um, one note I wanted to bring up about the departures. Uh, I actually heard this uh, this week that Daryl Jackson actually left the program the same day that Damian Robinson left and then came back. And then uh, the and then day that he entered, yeah, exactly. The day he entered the portal, he left again. Um, so, I mean, this was, if you'd been following after Brandon Jennings and Terrence Lewis after they left, I mean, Daryl Jackson removing everything on Instagram and it was like every other day and I have no problem. You know, I completely understand, you know, kids are kids. I've been there. I was an 18 year old. Hey, even so the pros know. are doing this dumb shit, wiping Instagram. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, it, and I, I can't blame him. It's, it's like, honestly, uh, I hate to say it, but it's really the most exhausting part is tracking social media. It's just like, it gets very yep. old, but, uh, I mean, just Gerald Jackson, like, like, I don't think anyone is surprised by that departure. Uh, but, um, I even mentioned on the time it, it, he's going to head back home and, Sure enough, he is headed to Miami, where uh, they're 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 loaded this offseason. So uh, definitely going to be some pieces. Tommy A, you know, get get a chance to shine a little bit more, but uh, definitely definitely some scholarships to work with now for Loxley and Code to uh, to go into the portal. So they still have that Houston months. quarterback that they that they got last year. Is he having one more year down in Miami? Uh, Derek King? No, Derek I King. do not believe so. That was supposed to be like the biggest yeah. thing. Like we're bringing him in. We're we're back. We're 1990s Miami. Well, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> so maybe we'll all this eight million dollars will not work out too. I wish them nothing but the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got still we still got time, right? Like you said, there's still some open scholarships. There's there's coals in the fire. I trust Glocks to be able to fill this role. You know, to fill this back end, and and we'll be all right. We'll get the depth that we need. Uh, it's just a shock to the gut to have so many people leave at one time. Uh, but we appreciate you guys tuning in for yet another episode of the show. Uh, we apologize for the lack of shows over the last couple of weeks, but we tried. We did have one. Uh, just yeah, it is what it is. Came up and watched it, people. Yeah, should have been there fault. for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do something again for the fall, and you know, Joy and Ellis were shaking hands, kissing sure. babies, taking pictures. Yeah, yeah. You right, know, come come out next time. <laughs> All right, Ryan, sign us off. All right, guys. Well, spring ball's behind us. Now we just got to stay healthy, get healthy, and get ready for fall. I can't wait to see what surprises Locks has in store for us. Until next time, here's the wishing all is well under the shelf.